When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Before we get to our Thursday podcast, I want to tell you about a couple of things. The first thing, what I always tell you about Football Insider. If you haven't checked it out yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. You get all the information there. It includes a text subscription where you'll get texts from me, Mary Kay, Scott, and Ellis throughout the day. News, analysis, what we're thinking, uh, nuggets from stories we're working on, interviews we did. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. And of course, you can interact with us, send us texts, and we'll text you right back. We do a post-game show with our text subscribers. We have them on the podcast to do picks. Uh, there's no reason if you're a Browns fan and you want to get involved in this that, that you wouldn't sign up for it. But also, you get a daily newsletter emailed to you. It's got exclusive content that we write just for the newsletter. And you get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash browns that are for subscribers only. So again, Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page. The other thing I want to tell you is you can join Terry Pluto at our Medicare Guide webinar on October 22nd at 2 p.m. The webinar is presented by cleveland.com and Medical Mutual and will help simplify the complex process of finding the right Medicare plan for your needs. Terry, together with our experts from Medical Mutual, Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging, and Discount Drug Mart will guide you through the process and answer your most pressing questions. Go to our cleveland.com Facebook channel and click on the Medicare event for more details and registration. Hey everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and Ellis Williams joining us today. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. We haven't talked since the Lakers uh, won the 2020 NBA championship. LeBron James got his fourth ring. So in honor, I'm wearing my Cleveland Cavaliers 2016 championship 3-1 comeback t-shirt from Homage. It's a, it's, a, it's a good day, Dan. For everyone out there who questions uh, Ellis's Cleveland credibility, you, you've got to see this shirt he's wearing. You can head over to our, our Browns YouTube channel and, and get a look at it. Um, all right. Browns and Steelers. Uh, Ellis has gotten to experience a few of those uh, as well, including really the the most significant one when Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph with Rudolph's helmet. Uh, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. So today we're going to kind of dig into the game a little bit uh, as, as we move this forward. And let's just start here. This game really kind of starts and ends with each team's pass rush. Uh, Mary Kay, you wrote a little bit about that actually just a few minutes before we hit record here. Um, Cam Hayward, Cam Hayward said that uh, he wants to inflict some pain on Baker Mayfield, make him feel that injury. Um, th- this is going to be about the pass rush, isn't it? It really is. Like you said, on both sides of the field, it's going to be about that pass rush. And these games between the Browns and the Steelers, they're always very, very physical. I mean, these guys, everybody's going to be feeling it after this game. But again, as Cam Hayward said, they want to make Baker feel that rib injury. Think about that rib injury during the game. And these guys are averaging five sacks a game. Now, Baker's only been sacked seven times because he has a really good offensive line 
Uh, but these Steelers uh, are going to be coming after him. And once again, you know, even though they're trying to really downplay the whole Miles Garrett aspect of it, I think the Steelers are going to bring a little extra juice to this game. Well, I mean, you know, how could they not? You know, everybody remembers last year. Everybody remembers what happened last year. Of course, they're they're going to have a little something extra, and they don't want to give this up either. They've been dominating the Browns for years. They don't want to give this up. Uh, Ellis, when you look at the Steelers' pass rush, pass rush, what do you see? Oh, they're fierce. They're fierce, and it's just them building off what they've been able to do these past few years, anchored by, of course, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. Uh, you made a great joke the other day, Dad, when you said when I mentioned uh, how they hit Carson Wentz like eight times last week and you're like oh you know what everyone hits Carson Wentz <laughs> and you're right about that uh, but not everyone has Bud Dupree and TJ Watt and I really like what Mary Kay said about the Steelers bringing extra juice to this one with everything baked into it and now the Browns are four and one this has the type of feel of uh, little brother big brother type of thing where you know little bro's coming into his own and thinks he can pick a fight with big bro. And sometimes that works out and that's why they play the game on Sunday. But I agree with Mary Kay. There's going to be a lot of extra juices flowing despite, you know, everyone downplaying it as they talk to us throughout the week. Yeah. I mean, you just look at all the numbers for, for the Steelers, um, the, the amount of sacks they have, the amount of pressure they create. Um, you know, I'm always, I'm always looking at football outsiders and, and their defensive line ranks as the top defensive line in, in their adjusted sack rate stat. Uh, I mean, these guys get after it and it starts, you know, they've got a guy who has tormented the Browns just consistently over and over and over again. It kind of starts with TJ Watt and fans out from there. Yeah. You know what they, the Browns have never really had this kind of offensive line to go up against a Steelers defense like this. So they've always been able to wreck the game for the most part uh, for the Browns. But you know what? There are some new sheriffs in town for the Cleveland Browns. And, and, you know, it's going to be quite the battle in the trenches. And it's going to be really one to watch. My goodness. Uh, you know, obviously, Jack Conklin. And now you've got Chris Hubbard, former Steeler, uh, starting at right guard instead of Wyatt Teller, who's been the mauler in the run game, really. Uh, you know, and then, but just all the way across, they're super solid. And, uh, but these guys, they're going to get after it. They're going to get after it. They're 4 0. They're for the first time since 1979, they're 4 0. And uh, you just know that they want to, you know, teach the Browns a lesson that, you know, that they are going to be the ones that are going to stay atop the AFC North. And uh, there, there's just so much at stake for this game. And it's just going to all start right up front. Yeah, and, and w with that, this game being so upfront focused, Dan, I, I want to ask you something. I know you do your rewatch on Mondays, and I've been working on some Baker Mayfield stuff, so I haven't had a chance to specifically look at the offensive line play. But I noticed, you know, Jedrick Wills didn't have the best game on Sunday, at least from a few spots that I saw. Is there concern you have with Jedrick when anything you notice in your rewatch where – you know, he's going to have his hands full once again. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, if both, you know, Jedrick and Baker, Baker being beat up, Jed having a couple tough goes of it here, wish that this Bengals and Steelers games were flip-flopped. You know, you go from Indy to Cincy to Pittsburgh rather than having Indy and Pittsburgh on top of each other. Dan, do you have any concern there with Jedrick's matchup with not having a break on either side of these edge rushers from Pittsburgh? You know, I, I, 
I think there were a couple plays there where, where Jedrick was kind of the guy that was in the picture. He got beat, you know, of course, uh, one of the sacks on Mayfield late. I'm not sure if it was the one he got banged up on or not. Uh, Jedrick got beat, but there's also a one that I remember that was kind of a deep drop and okay. he just kind of got beat around the edge, but there were also plays and I've been seeing some get, get tweeted out and you always have to be careful with the single play that gets tweeted out, right? It can be a great play and maybe every other play is awful, but he, he did have, I thought he was actually better than maybe what the eyeballs initially right. showed if you weren't watching closely. And I, I kind of just wanted to pull up PFF here while you were asking that just to see if um, my eyes deceived me there. But he actually graded as a 78 okay. as a pass blocker, which was one of his, his second best grade actually um, against Indianapolis. So I think there were just a couple moments where maybe he didn't have his best play or, or he got beat. But I think overall – I didn't really watch and think, oh boy, Jedrick Wills is just getting killed by this Colts line. Yeah, that's that's great news then because you know they're going to need him, of course, and then you know Jack Conklin on the other side, they're not going to have a, a playoff against these two, and it's it's definitely the most challenging edge rushing uh, matchup the Browns will will face all season until Pittsburgh comes to Cleveland. You know, Mary Kay, you you mentioned this, and when you said it, my first thought went to the one time the Browns have had a really good offensive line to go against the Steelers. You got to go back to when it was 2014, right? When you had Joe Thomas, uh, John Greco, Joel Batonio's rookie year, Alex Mack, Mitchell Schwartz. Um, yeah. Got those guys all out of order, but that's that's where they were. And you know that year they had that huge comeback in Pittsburgh. They almost stole that game after they fell behind. I forget what the the number was, but they fell behind by a big margin, almost came back. And then they actually beat up Pittsburgh pretty badly at First Energy Stadium. That was actually the game when Alex Mack broke his leg. Uh, unfortunately, but that, that was really kind of the one year where they've sort of had Pittsburgh's number, at least as far as they've had Pittsburgh's number since they came back. So certainly having that offensive line is going to help them. Yes. And especially obviously uh, this week with Baker Mayfield suffering from sore ribs. Uh, you know, I went out to practice today. He did not throw the ball at all in the first 10 minutes that were that were open to us in individual drills. He looked to me, now they were on the far field, but he looked to me like he sort of had some kind of a, a wrap or a flak jacket on. Uh, and yeah, he wasn't doing all that much. So this is imperative uh, that the offensive line protect him, that he gets the ball out very quickly in this game. They're going to have to rely on the running game a lot. Uh, and that's going to be tough because the Steelers are surrendering only 64 yards per game. So rushing. So, uh, you, you know, it might be tough sledding in that regard. So, yeah, this is a week where uh, that offensive line, these guys are going to have to be on point. As you guys mentioned, Jed is going to have to put his big boy pants on and have his best game of the season. And I think for the most part, uh, Jed has done really well for a rookie, for what he's had to deal with. He's had a really nice start to his season. And I think he's showing signs of nailing down that left tackle job for a long, long time. And, and that's really, really good for the Browns. But this is one of those games where it might be a little bit challenging for everybody on the line. Yeah, Ellis, it seems like this Pittsburgh defense, if Baker is okay and he gets protected, it seems like this is a defense you can throw the football on. Yeah, that, then that's been surprising to see. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick has not been around the football like he was uh, early last year when they made that trade for him. 
Joe Hayden has been getting beat on in some intermediate stuff. And so there, there's definitely going to be chances there, but this again, all comes back to up front. If, if I'm not saying the offensive line won't be able to give Baker the time he needs, but they have to be in complete sync in, in three ways, both in the play calling in Baker's decision-making and then holding up up front. Cause what I'm concerned about when it comes to the passing attack for this Browns offense this week is that second half and I'm going to write about it later in the week, that second half of the Colts game, the blueprint was sort of made on how to contain Baker Mayfield, at least in terms of booting left. They just stopped playing the run. They went, got right in his face and forced him to give up the football. And the Steelers are going to use that to their advantage at some point in the game. May not be right away, but when, you know, those critical downs, especially in the second half, they're going to go back to that. And then Baker ultimately struggled as a traditional dropback passer, uh, in the second half also only, you know, completing two passes, I think for like 27 yards. So if they're going to force Baker to be a pocket passer, then Kevin's fans is going to have to be real particular about his route combinations and his game plan for it. Because right now that offense just hasn't shown that they have a drop back game. That's a threat, but maybe this is the week to show it. And that's why we, they play these games. We're learning new information each week. The one thing that stood out to me too about Indianapolis, and, and I think we'll see this with Pittsburgh, is they were really disciplined for a lot of that game. Um, you know, we saw the, the one play that really stood out to me was they ran that little end around with Odell, and Indianapolis was not going to pull uh, a Cowboys there and give up a 50 yard touchdown. Uh, there, there were just moments where they were very disciplined. Now, the Browns were still able to take advantage of some things in their play action game. Uh, the Jarvis Landry play has been going around a lot. The, the deep throw to Landry, I think it was the one he got hurt on. Um, that play has been going around as an effective play action uh, play against that Colts defense. But if you're disciplined, that's kind of where it all starts when you're going against the Stefanski offense. You've got to make sure that you have everything covered and keep everything covered and you don't overreact to some of the misdirection and the play action that he runs. And you know what? I, I think that, um, that you guys are right. I think one of the keys to uh, making Baker less effective is to try to hem him in. We've yeah. seen this. Uh, since he first came into the league. The teams that really do well against him are the ones that can prevent him from rolling out because obviously he's at his best when he's out in space where he can see what's going on. He doesn't fare as well when he's behind big linemen and he certainly doesn't fare as well uh, you know, when he's under center. So he needs to be in the gun or he needs to be over there or over there, you know, left or right out uh, where he can see the field. And because he throws so well on the run, he doesn't even have to have his feet set, right? I mean, he can just nail it when, when he's in motion like that. Uh, so these guys, you know, the, the Steelers, if they can try to pin him in a little bit. Um, and then the other thing is Jarvis Landry is hurting this week. And I think that's, that could be a, a key factor. Because if you can kind of really focus in on Odell Beckham Jr. and be very physical with him and really try to take him out of the game as much as you possibly can, that is an, another way that you can, you know, that really try to minimize the damage of this Browns offense. You know, try to make Baker, you know, try to put it in Baker's hands and try to keep it out of Odell's hands are, are two strong strategies if they decide to go that route. 
Yeah, two two things there real quickly. Mary Kay is dead on about Baker outside the pocket. He's been absolutely deadly, uh, especially to his right. He's been showing that since his rookie year. But the way Kevin Stefanski's had him outside the pocket this year, uh, either left or right, is exactly what the Steelers are going to try to avoid. And that brings us back to Dan's point about discipline. Um, Washington was not disciplined in their containment of Baker Mayfield in the red zone. At one point, he throws that, I think that was Harrison Bryant's first touchdown. And then he, the uh, Dallas at one point lost contained and he was able to boot, right? Uh, I don't exactly what Dan said, the way you beat this Kevin Spansky disciplined offense is by remaining disciplined on defense. And they've got Mike Tomlin. I'd, I'd be surprised if the Steelers let Baker outside the pocket much this week. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the injuries the Browns are dealing with and uh, maybe some of those matchups with those Steelers receivers. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Ellis Williams and Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, We got our injury report here today. And for the Browns, uh, look, there's some guys that they are going to be missing that are key players. I'm curious which of these guys that they're going to be missing or, or did not practice today. I shouldn't say they're going to be missing. Guys that did not practice today. Uh, Ronnie Harrison didn't practice with a concussion. Carl Joseph with a hamstring. You know, Landry, we talked about him. Jacob Phillips with a knee. Uh, Teller with the calf. Vernon with the groin. Uh, let's take Teller out of the mix here because I, I feel like he's the really obvious one. Mm-hmm. Which of those guys that did not practice today, and again, some of this stuff could change. Maybe these guys get out there. Maybe they're able to play. But if they are missing one of those guys, which one do you think is the, the one they'll miss most? Well, you know, you never know what's happening with concussions. You really are at the mercy of the independent neurologists. And Ronnie Harrison went in there and gave them some really good safety play, something that they hadn't had much of this season. They really need an upgrade uh, at safety. And he was starting to provide that. So I think that's one uh, to really look at there because I think Denzel's pretty much kind of, he's okay now with the groin injury. So you're, you're pretty well set there with, with Terrence and with, with Denzel. It's the safety position uh, that I think you need to look at the most right now. Uh, so therefore, Carl Joseph was over there riding the bike. Uh, Ronnie Harrison was out. I think you're going to be looking at some Sheldrick Redwine this week. You know, I think he's going to have to get in there and pick up where he left off. But uh, I think that there's a little bit more to him than he's been able to show so far this season. And I think he's ready to get in there and try to do something against some of these guys. Yeah, Sheldrick Redwine can play. It's, it's a tough, tough matchup for him to, you know, if, assuming his snap count goes up to face, you know, a three, four-headed attack like the Steelers' uh, weapons have. Of course, Chase Claypool, the rookie, getting a lot of attention this week after a four-touchdown performance. Um, I, I want to elaborate on Mary Kay's point about Ronnie Harrison. Everything she said about concussions, accurate. We, we got into this on Got to Watch the Tape but it was actually about Olivier Vernon, um, which is why my answer to this question Dan posed about who they're going to miss the most is a combination of Harrison and then Jacob Phillips. When you're a player battling back from injury or in Ronnie's case, just battling to get on the field and you finally do that and then you're knocked back again to being injured, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough place to be because any of that momentum you generated and, and Ronnie had a, you know, a pick six last week, any of that momentum you generate you, you lose in a way just by missing a week and that in a lot of times it's not even your fault you're injured and um, you know Phillips had a nice tackle on the perimeter that comes to mind and those momentum plays need to carry week to week for players to develop and when you get injured like that you, you lose that ground so this is already a thin Browns defense they can't afford to miss really any of these guys but 
based on the momentum those two players were having, uh, it's going to be just a a bummer probably for a guy like Joe Woods to not have them out there if they can't go. I I think the guy that they would miss the most if he's unable to go, um, honestly, might be Vernon. Well, maybe not the most, but I think Vernon's a key guy to have out there. And I know that maybe he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations since he got here. Uh, But, you know, look, he was in the backfield a couple times against Indianapolis. and, And I think, when you take him out of the picture, you get some of the same problems you had last year when you were missing both Miles and Vernon, uh, because now you're relying on, you know, hopefully Larry Ogunjobi's back this week. You know, Jordan Elliott was full today in practice, so that's obviously a, a good sign. I should say it was full Wednesday in practice. Um, but if you don't have that edge rusher, you're relying on a guy like Adrian Claiborne, who I think we all like, but I don't know if you want him out there you know, 50% of the snaps, 75% of the snaps. Porter Gustin had that great game against Cincinnati. I wrote about him, but he's also still Porter Gustin, right? He hasn't done a whole lot uh, since that Cincinnati game. So I think losing that other side of your edge rush, when you've got to get after Big Ben a little bit and, and you've got to try to create a pass rush against the Steelers team, I, I think that hurts. Well, today, um, when we went into practice, we thought, and I'm saying this on Wednesday, when we went out there, we were told ahead of time that OV was not going to be practicing. But when we got there, uh, he was doing all the individual stuff. So instead of being a DNP today, he was actually limited. And that's a really good sign when you're limited on Wednesday. Now, it doesn't mean for sure he'll be able to play. But if you can get out there on Wednesday and do something, you have a much, much better chance of playing in the game. So I thought that was a really good sign for them today. Yeah, and all this just means more pressure on Miles Garrett, whether Ovi's out there or not. Either way, these games are really coming down to Miles Garrett because he's now four weeks in a row been the best player on the field, and that is regardless of quarterback. And he just went up against Dak Prescott. I'm telling you, <laughs> Miles Garrett has been the best player on the field regardless of opponent so far. And if he can keep that up uh, against Pittsburgh, it's really not going to matter who's out there with them we'll see if it's sustainable but this has been miles garrett's wrecking crew and he's he's probably gonna keep it going and he's uh losing a competition by the day for nfl defensive player of the year chandler jones is out now for the year nick bosa is out for the year uh so right now it's kind of a two-horse race between him and aaron donald it's, uh, it's going to be a fun uh, competition to watch. And I think, you know, TJ Watt's going to try and make his case a little bit on Sunday. I mentioned he's always been great against the Browns. Uh, very different looking offensive line, though, that he has to go against. Uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be a very fun race to watch as we go along. All right, Steelers weapons real quick here. When you kind of look at how they spread things around, and we know Chase Claypool is, is coming off that phenomenal game on Sunday against the Eagles for touchdowns. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Still there, 21 catches this year, 188 yards, three touchdowns. I think a lot of people maybe assumed with him that he'd slide right into that Antonio Brown role and, and put up huge numbers. He hasn't quite done that yet. But again, this is another guy Browns fans know very well. He, when he sees that brown and orange, he always seems to produce. Uh, Ellis, how do you think the Browns deal with these Steelers weapons? And yeah, I should mention a guy like Eric Ebron too, who has certainly had his issues. Uh, but when he's right, he can be a really good tight end. He didn't practice on Wednesday for the Steelers, so we'll see how that all plays out. But if he's out there, we know how the Browns have dealt with tight ends historically as well and, and with this linebacking core and safety core banged up. 
Yeah, they've got weapons all over the place. Uh, you know, James Conner and then Benny Snell, another capable back. Uh, Johnson, I believe, their third receiver. Uh, and then on top of those two, the, the two receivers you name in Ricky Claypool and Juju, it's it's a talented group. Uh, they faced a similar type of opponent in the Cowboys, and what ended up being the difference maker there in the Cowboys game was a lack of defense from Dallas and turnovers. And if they can create some turnovers versus Pittsburgh, that's the ultimate equalizer. But man, it is going to be tough sledding against this group. They might not be the big household names, like you said, like Juju just becoming a carbon copy of Antonio Brown, but they're all professional, well above average receivers. And the difference is they're all home run hitters with the ball in their hands. If they catch something short, six, seven yards, they can take it to the house. And that's what you fear with how big Ben's been distributing it so well, passing it short so far. The one thing when I look at this game uh, that I've been thinking about so far is, uh, you know, when you look at some of the games that the Browns have played this season, Miles Garrett has had situations where uh, he's been able to exploit uh, quite a weakness on the opponent's offensive line, including Dallas. He was just tearing up an undrafted rookie right tackle in Terrence Steele in the first half of the game. Uh, when I look at this game, uh, now it looks like they've got a couple of guys banged up on their offensive line. And if these guys do not play and you have some serious weak links on their offensive line, that's going to make life a little bit more difficult for, uh, for Ben Roethlisberger. These guys now, again, they're very solid and they look really good, but the record of their opponents, I can't remember the second number, but three victories total for their four opponents, yeah. three victories. So again, it's not, I mean, I think we are seeing a really good defense and some great weapons on offense, uh, but they might not be uh, un unbeatable. They just might not be. And if their offensive line is really struggling and really banged up, and some of the guys that didn't practice today, Pouncey, DeCastro, uh, you know, this could be a place where the uh, Miles and some of those guys can wreck this game. It's, it's kind of funny if you think about it. You know, we kind of got the Browns first – Big test last week against the Colts. You know, you can make the case the Cowboys too, just because of what their offense can do. But I mean, the Colts were the best team outside of Baltimore that the Browns have played. A team certainly more on the Browns level than the Ravens, and the Browns passed it. And the Steelers, this is almost kind of their test this week, right? It's, it's kind of strange to to think about it, but as much as we talk about the Browns being a test for the Steelers, you said it, Mary Kay. The Steelers haven't beaten anybody yet. And look, you got to beat the people in front of you. That it's not their fault. But this is sort of the first game where we're going to get a look of a look at the Steelers against a pretty good football team. Yeah, we'd, we'd have a much better idea of what the Steelers team was if that Titans Steelers game didn't get rescheduled. Uh, but the, like you said, Dan, you got to play who you play and they've beat up on teams like, you know, the, the, the Giants, I believe Jacksonville, just, you know, some 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 less than team. So the Browns have a, a chance not to just uh, make another surprise because I think the league knows the Browns are here, but you have a real opportunity to punch Pittsburgh in the mouth, uh, considering what the Browns have already gone up against. I can't imagine this city if the Browns are five and one <laughs> and it comes at the expense of the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at Heinz Field. They might just skip everything and start the parade right away. And then uh, Ellis will wear a Cleveland Browns t shirt on the next video. <laughs> we have to, we have to, we'd have to blank that out, but you never know. You never know. What you're doing, right? If, hey, if Homage has it, I'll probably buy it. That's where we're at. <laughs> All right. Do you hear that, Homage? If, if you guys want to, you know, throw a sponsorship our way, we got you. 
All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you check out Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. It's the big blue banner at the top of the page. You can't miss it there. For Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm dancing. <laughs>